Welcome to the Primary Source Podcast. My name is Tom Bober, a school librarian in the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri. This podcast is here to explore how primary sources can be used in K-12 libraries and classrooms. We'll dig into resources and teaching strategies, talk to educators who are utilizing primary sources, and supporters of educators who curate these incredible items and use them in their work. We have another incredible author interview today, and this is the author of the book, Josephine and Her Dishwashing Machine, Kate Hannigan. The book is illustrated by Sarah Green. We talk about all kinds of things around the book, including dipping into AI. We don't always just talk about things from the past, uh, as well as finding those little nuggets, the first steps that Kate always takes when she is starting her research, and the evolution that can be shown in someone's thinking by looking at a series of primary sources. And I think not only is this great for understanding more about Kate's book, but I think there are also amazing lessons that we can bring back to our students when we talk to them about how they do their own research and the importance that primary sources can play in all of our learning. I hope you enjoy the interview. I hope you enjoy the book. We are here with Kate Hannigan, and Kate, I'm so excited that you're joining us today to talk about your newest book, Josephine and Her Dishwashing Machine. Kate, welcome to the Primary Source Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. You've got a great collection of uh, authors you've already talked to that I've already read many of their books, so I'm excited to be part of this. Well, I'm excited to have read your book and excited to have you here chatting with us. But I want to start off for anyone who hasn't had a chance to read this book of yours yet. Can you tell us a little bit about Josephine and her dishwashing machine? Sure. Um, I think a lot of authors will tell you that a book kind of uh, comes about because they're trying to answer a question. So for me, uh, I was just sitting there one day trying to come up with a female inventor Um and I couldn't. And then I was full of shame. <laughs> so I took it to my friends, name, name an inventor. And I think anytime you talk about women's history, if, and if, and it's like trivia, you just shout out Marie Curie and you're going to hit on something. So people would say, Oh, Marie Curie, she's one or joy. I think Jennifer Lawrence starred as uh, in that movie joy. So I just started poking around just thinking, okay, I need to familiarize myself. And then I, when I came across Josephine's story, I loved it because first of all, it is the greatest invention, right? <laughs> the I dishwashing love it. machine figures into my life prominently. So um, I just thought it was really interesting. I thought it was a cool story. So that that's how it began is just to answer a question, name a female inventor. So I just wanted to look at her life. So tell us a little bit about tell us a little bit about the story. If for those of us that haven't read it, like if we haven't cracked it yet, uh, we know it's about her and her. She's the person who invented the dishwasher. But what else is there for us that we should kind of know about as a little preview? Sure, sure. So I went into it figuring that um, she was just uh, you know stuck in the kitchen doing all this work, and this is the invention to get her out of doing this work. But so my first thing I learned was no, she was a fancy lady, <laughs> and so she had a dinner party, and the people who were doing her dishes were chipping her nice fine china, and that upset her. But um, she came from a long line of inventors, so I just think she was um, somebody with a brain that was just spinning, spinning, spinning 
always on something. And so she looked at this and she's, she's like, I can fix this problem. So that's, that's really how it began. But one of my favorite little nuggets, um, this is how I think children's authors or just authors in general, nonfiction, how we're going to survive AI is because we're looking for the nuggets. We're looking for those little outlier bits of information that are not able to be like scraped by bots and smashed together. Right. So I stumble onto the nugget that her last name, she's Josephine Cochran and she was a modern fancy woman. And so she added an E to the last name Cochran, C-O-C-H-R-A-N. She added an E because she thought it seemed more modern. (laughs) I love that. And you're right. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When all the AI stuff started coming out, uh, there was all of this talk about, well, you can have it write children's books for you. And, and to some degree, it can write information at, at a children's at a, you know, a certain reading level. But I would I have I did go through and ask it to rewrite. I shouldn't say rewrite. I would basically give it the topic of certain historically based nonfiction picture books and say, write me a story about this person with this context and see yeah. what it came out like. And it was horrible. Every single right. time it was horrible. Right. And it's you're right. Like- this is exactly the reason, though. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. And I think like AI, not not to get us on too deep of a, you know, far off on a, on a tangent here, but, um, you know, our job as authors is to go find the cool stuff uh, in a classroom, like with kids, um, not using it. Like, I think teachers can use AI as a tool to kind of help structure. This is how you can write something and have it hang together. But but the real work comes in tracking down, going to a museum and digging up something there, going to a reading room, going to the library, going and talking to other human beings who experienced something, who marched in a rally or whatever. Um, that's going to be what keeps it, keeps us employed and keeps us, <laughs> you know, keeps it above just let's all just rip off Wikipedia. <laughs> so so let's talk about finding those nuggets and doing mm-hmm. that work um, with your research uh, with this particular book, what kind of primary sources did you come across? Okay, so I am a newspaper lady. So I uh, went to J- journalism school and I worked in daily newspapers back when those things, you know, were <laughs> actual papers. Um, <clears throat> and so I think it's just my nature to start off the project going to looking up old newspapers and just seeing them, the language of the day. It's so exciting to see the way sentences were crafted back then, the way people were treated, the way headlines, I was a headline writer, all of that. My natural default uh, behavior is to go to a newspaper and also the library and books. Um, so, uh, so I dug up some newspaper articles. I actually was having a hard time finding some things. So this is one of the stories. Usually I can um, access plenty online. I actually went down to the Chicago Public Library, um, Harold Washington Library, which is just a fun field trip unto itself because it's just such a cool physical building. But I went down there and there were two really helpful um, archivists there who uh, helped take me through and show me some articles uh, about uh, Josephine. So I started there and then I was able to find some stuff later. Um, so a bunch of a bunch of newspapers and then... Um, Uh, And then, you know, digging up her patents, I was able to find her patents, which were really fun to look at for for many reasons. Among them, how great people's penmanship was back in the day. You know, it's got all these swooping, uh, you know, signatures on the patents. But um, but yeah, so so to me, I like to do a little legwork. I love I love what you said about newspapers. I'm honestly the same way when I kind of 
reverse engineer a an author's research um, with one of these historically based picture books, typically that's the first place I'm going to go because it is. Um, I, I just think there's so much available now, uh, yeah. digitized that you don't have. Now I understand the reason you're going to the library and having those archivists and librarians and those individuals help you. But for the classroom teacher, the classroom or the school librarian, uh, the digitized uh, newspapers that are available online are amazing compared to even five or 10 years ago. Absolutely. I agree. I cannot believe what I have access to now. Um, just poking around online. It's really, really exciting. And I think that uh, I try to tell my kids that everything you do in life tumbles forward and will be fodder for something else in life, whether it's a ridiculous thing that happened to you that will be fodder for a hilarious story or just the things you learn growing out. It's like, you know, when you're building Legos, you, you know, you're just doing your layers. So it's a solid foundation. When I, in my early days of newspapers, um, my first assignment, when I got a, a summer internship at a newspaper was to write obits. So I had to write people's obituaries. I had to pick up the phone and call people. So that taught me not to be afraid to just call somebody up if you wanted information, but also to look at a life and look at, uh, I feel like what I'm doing now with these picture books is 32 pages distilling a life. And I had to do that as an obit writer. Um, and another task I had was called the morgue, which was when you took the newspaper and you clipped out the articles and had to go file them in the morgue. So some other researcher could go look up whatever their topic was and find flip through the morgue you know they pull out these long uh drawers and find the topic so i sound like a dinosaur <laughs> but that's how it was uh back what, in the day. Th this does this doesn't sound like out of reach to me but i also am thinking that does not sound like a fun job that particular no, piece of it stunk. it totally stunk i had to do that in um college uh, but by the time I got into to, um, real work at Daily Papers, like hired, um, things were transitioning, you know. So. Yep. Yep. Well, let's I, I, I want to come back to the to the patent in just a minute that you mentioned, because it's it's depicted and mentioned in the book as well in the picture book. But I want to I want to maybe step back a little bit. And when we're talking about those newspaper articles, when we're talking about that patent, um, just ask maybe the more broad question of how the information, the details, the nuances that you found in those particular primary sources, how did they in, end up impacting the story that you decided to tell? Well, you know, there were, there were so many um, interesting, interesting things about her life. Like, uh, like basically that letter E shows up as on one patent and not on another, another, um, how rudimentary things were, you know, just thinking about she she did have to have a partner on this because she she I think it was too much to do on her own. Um, and so she she did have a partner named George uh, Butters, I think was his name. Um, so seeing those things uh, and I always think like when you get to the essence of why, why do we write these books and why do we want kids to read these books? And I think the biggest thing is to see where we are now and compare it with what we're seeing in the book, how far we've come and how far we have not come, right? Um, so we, we, you know, we still have a ways to go, I think on, on uh, women and invention, you know, um, I, I think, um, uh, and, and crediting, like, like the patents in these days, a lot of women couldn't apply for a patent because she was a widow, she had a strange degree of freedom. Um, mm -hmm. If 
if she, uh, her husband were still alive on some of these things, she would have probably been subsumed under his name. So, so many patents that maybe women were doing, um, they were tucked under their husband's names. So there's a lot, wow. there's a lot there, I think that, that I found really interesting. Um, but, um, jump, jumping ahead a little bit, um, as she kept developing the, the product, uh, she kept finding herself in positions where she, she was surprised. And she has this great quote about, I think it's from the Palmer, uh, hotel where she would meet people who wanted to invest in the dishwashers and, and her basically company. And she would just say how frightening it was to just go across, to walk across. She has, a, I don't even know if I have the full quote in here. You cannot imagine what it was like in those days for a woman to cross a hotel lobby alone. So that in itself, um, I thought I should faint at every step, but I didn't. And I got an order, uh, an $800 order as my reward. So just, just the things that it took for a woman just to cross a hotel lobby alone, things like that. Um, I realized like the most shocking discovery uh, in doing all this research is that she was also uh, like the original like boss lady, not original, but an original boss lady. She could not give up her company. She has a great quote that I found. I could not let go of the thing. Um, so here she's got this great invention. She's starting to make it. And then she was supposed to get out of the way and let some fellas run it. And she's like, no, it, I can't do that. So she held on to it and was an entrepreneur. So it's, it's not only a story of female invention, it's a story of female entrepreneurship. She was out hustling. I mean, she was out knocking on doors, you know, figuratively and, and selling this product. The other thing that I found fascinating, and this gets a little more abstract, but she really, in my mind, it comes across in your story that she really had a vision of where, like how this would be used and where it should be. Uh, I think that that comes across in the advancements of the invention that you talk about her making along with her partner. Uh, and then, uh, also this idea that, that she keeps kind of pushing for it to go into different places and, and one place that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding from, um, if I'm rem remembering correctly, one place it doesn't end up by the time she passes is it doesn't end up in homes yet. Right. Not, not, not for lack of trying, not for lack of desire, but really to some degree because of, of lack of, of in infrastructure in homes, as yes. far as electricity. Pipe. <laughs> yeah. Pi yeah. Pipes, hot water. You know, I mean, it's like there were all these yeah. barriers yeah. that were well beyond her control. Yeah. Talk about being ahead of her time, right? Like she envisioned right. it for the home, but the home wasn't ready for it. But I do think it's really interesting. And I didn't get into this in the book because, you know, you have a limited number of pages and you have to decide what does a child need to know. But um, like, uh, like, um, I, I guess would I, would the word be hygiene, but the, the whole movement, the whole discovery that like boiling water will kill germs. So that's why it went into institutions like hospitals and schools and things like that, because they realized, oh my gosh, we need, if we're going to feed a ton of people, we need, you know, really hot soapy water and things like that. So it was all sort of part of that, that movement. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah. I thought it was great. Um, as we look at this, and maybe this is where we talk about the, the patent piece, I don't know, you tell me, but but I was wondering also, is there a primary source here that like surprised you? Was there, you talked about nuggets earlier, where is there, there a nugget that just kind of um, changed your thinking or was just really unexpected that you came across uh, as you did your research? Yeah, well, you know, 
just almost like just getting to know her. Cause I came into it thinking, oh, she's this scrappy lady who's like, my hands are bliss, you know, like raw from washing dishes. I'm going to save, you know, the female, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. I'm going to save people from this drudgery. Um, and no, the fact that she was like, no, it's just these, you know, bozos in my kitchen are breaking my dishes. So I thought that was really funny. So I had to like change my approach. Like, okay, okay. So she's a, she's a fancy lady who wants to do something well, good for her. And so then she goes about and does it. And then, uh, you know, with the idea of, of she's going to hold on to this company. Well, that was a fun surprise. And then, as you said, the, I like that your word hustle, she's out hustling. I mean, she basically, a trip to New York basically kills her. Like at the end, she's quite an old lady. She goes to New York and she nails down a few more um, contracts because the hotels are big there, the department store restaurants and things like that. And I think she basically, from from what I read, it sounds like she um, basically had a stroke like, you know, after this trip and she never recovered from it really. So, um, so I thought, wow, she really... Um, as you say, she had the vision and she held on to it and she, she, uh, she hustled. So, um, it's fun when you go in maybe with a little bit of an expectation, like, Oh, I've kind of seen this type of person before. And then you're like, Oh no, it's not that. So, um, that's what keeps it super fun. I think doing these, I think I have to imagine every author probably goes in with some type of expectation of here's what I am expecting to find. And, and such a great example of where, Hey, this isn't it. And it's going to have to, I'm going to have to shift my thinking around kind of how this story is told, because this is yeah. not quite the person that I thought they were going to be no less interesting, maybe more interesting. Uh, but yeah, it shapes yeah. the story. Yeah. And it's fun. Um, again, like, why do we present these books? Cause people are surprising and it's fun to see, you know, the range of, uh, human, human, uh, personality, like, like who we are and, uh, understanding who other people are. So I've got to ask about the I want to circle back. And I said I was going to to the to the patent. Um, I loved your what what you shared about the and I didn't know this around if if she had been married, then this might have been issued under her husband's name. That's a really uh, piece. That's a piece of information that I just was completely unaware of. And it makes me wonder how many inventions might be kind of ill attributed to a spouse where it's really the the. The, the woman in the relationship who did the inventing. Yeah. I mean, and I think this can be applied to so many things. I, I was just reading something about um, the uh, American um, Institute of Architects. Is it AIA? Or, I'm not sure exactly what the ac- acronym is, but the American Organization for Architects, and they, they've given out, you know, gold medals over the years. And there's a big stink about one um, that went to a husband when it was a husband and wife who were the, the architects. And it's kind of like, wait, so she just w- disappeared under his name uh, and her her work was not recognized. And, and so I think that, you know, there are lots of examples in history of um, some people getting credit and there being people who uh, just disappear <laughs> under certain names. Well, so, I'm, um, yeah, I'm yeah. thankful Josephine's is under her name and we can see those. This is the other thing I think is so fascinating about one of the many things I think is fascinating about patents. I'm a little obsessed with searching patents sometimes just for just to see what they look like and 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 how they're laid out. But this this evolution uh, you're saying and, and it just has one image in the in the book, in the picture book. But my assumption is if she's 
improving on the machine. She's issuing, getting issued more patents. And so we can yeah. see like this evolution of the machine and in some ways an evolution of her thinking and her understanding of, of kind of where this invention is and, and how it works. And, and I love that idea of being able to pull that from kind of a scientific standpoint and engineering standpoint and being able to uh, explore that just, uh, just wonderful historical items that are out there in the world for people to uh, uncover. Yeah. And I always try to, when I go on school visits to kids, I always try to make sure they understand that, you know, the adults in their lives didn't just drop down from space fully formed, you know, everybody's on their journey and their continuum. And it takes a very long time to get to wherever that big place is. So for her, she had to tinker and fail and try again and again and again. And so I like that there are multiple patents that she applied for over the years because the, the thing kept evolving too. So, you know, there's, there's kind of a paper trail uh, where you can, you know, if they want to pull that up in class, if teachers want to do that in class, they can show that there are multiple patents. I, I love it. Kate, Kate, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for sharing with us how this story evolved over time and became what it is. It is Josephine and her dishwashing machine. Kate Hannigan, thank you so much for joining us on the Primary Source Podcast. Thanks for having me. This, this was fun.